Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, did you ever get to play in any of those international tournaments? They used to be much earlier now i think they're a little bit later but do you ever go to world champion no i never did uh, so every so usually the teams that don't make the playoffs that get to go i was lucky i made the playoffs every year uh when i was playing that's true you guys had a very good run yeah what, i did i i had a very interesting the year i've told the story many times with the canadian olympic team the bad part the good part was that winter before the final tryouts yeah they had like 40 45 guys left as a team they half of them went uh toured around north america the other half which i was part of went over to europe was it like an A and B or split down the middle? You split down the middle, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that was that was a fantastic trip. Uh, went to France to start with. A uh, game played the France nationals here, something being like 22 to nothing. I uh, went all over Czechoslovakia. I uh, actually played against the Staznys who went on and have great yeah. years. And, and Czechoslovakia, that was a really great off-ice experience as well. Like we went to all these little towns that were all the same. So that was, was Czech, is it the Czech Republic now? or is it, Now it's Czechia. They just changed it again. Right. And Slovakia. Right. Uh, so we, that was before... It became for it split in 91, right. 92. So, yeah. And so we'd stay in these little hotels, no toilets. They'd have a hole in the floor. Just like Survivor. Yeah. They had a hole in the floor. And they had uh, two places where you put your feet. Tell you, put your feet. Wait, wait, hold on. This is in 1980? Well, 1979, right? The, so yeah, because I turned pro in 80. You're crapping in a hole. Yeah. And the beer, all the beers, were, we actually went to Chesky Buda Beach. That's where Budweiser beer was uh, invented. Oh, wow. Well, they say, the story is there's one place over in Europe, which is Chesky Buda Beach, and then another place over here where it was made. St. Louis. Right. But again, all warm beer. So we're like, oh, wow. we're Canadian boys. So they like, can't have warm beers. Yeah. We're hanging out the hotel uh, windows to cool it down. And every place had a, uh, a sell crystal. That was the big thing. So guys would load right. it up and buy a crystal because it was so cheap and then ship it back. Right. And that's, so that's like, it's still Soviet. Uh, yeah, Soviet block yeah. behind yeah. Iron Curtain. Yeah. So, was it? Do you see like minders all over the place? Or yeah, you know, it was. Uh, yep, yeah, we we were out at all. We went to the hotel and that was right. it, and then to the rink. But that was a great experience to go over to Europe. I think that was the first time. Yeah, it was the first time I've been here all over there. Would you have gone to the World Championship if asked? I just, you know, at that point, you just love playing too. You know, like if you, yeah. you would get a, if again, if you're eligible to go, that that means your team hasn't been that good. You didn't make playoffs. Right. Um, so, after hockey. Yeah, it's a blast. It's, it, again, I had learned, and I've been very fortunate in my life. It's not a great experience, right, to do something to save. Like, again, we've talked about all the stuff. I go back even like driving the, you know, driving the truck when I yep. wait for the Rangers. Again, the survival. And I, I don't know where that came from in me, but I always had that attitude. I want to try new stuff, right? Try. Yeah, I know you talk about uh, 
we talked about men's league before, but you, you did play a little, but you said it was a very short lived career playing men's league. Yeah. So you still play these alumni games. When do you, how often do you skate? Well, I don't get on the ice as much. And that's the problem because when you do go to skate in your alumni games, you know, if you have skate, people yeah. that. You were on the ice when you coach. You coach for quite a while, right? Yeah, coach, coach for a while. Yeah. Coach both the boys or just coach one of these? So the younger one uh, played a little bit when he was young, but didn't want to continue playing. Right. And then Shane, I coached for. Uh, and Shane was a goalie. Shane was a goalie, yeah, and coached him all the time. Which is great. So he didn't have to listen to any advice you gave him because he's a goalie, you're a defenseman, right? Yeah. Well, I tried to give him advice. I, I tried to use what he was doing as a metaphor for life, too. So I would yeah. say, listen, you've got to come out of the blue paint. Blue paint being the crease. That way you'll cut down the angle better. You got to better. And I sure. to myself, he'll learn a lesson about life and get out of that comfort zone. And he would never listen to me. So, and then some other random coach came along one day and he, cause Shane he says, get out of the blue play. Shane gets out of the blue play. Of course. Well, like I, I coach Mike Snack, coach my son, who's eight, and I coach with Andy Lane and I coach with a couple of great guys, Kyle Sloan and Brian Strack. But we have like a system where it's like, hey, Thomas isn't listening to me. You tell him to do this and then Andy will tell him and he does it right away. Yeah. And Andy will say, hey, Connor's not listening. Can you tell him to do this? And I tell him, but he listens. So it's, it's so bizarre. They just, I guess they just need to prove themselves. Yeah. You know, they, they just say, I'm not listening. I don't know what it is, but. It was funny. Shane came to me, so he's 32 now, probably five or six years ago. And he, he had some conversation or whatever about more life, you know, but getting out of the comfort yeah. zone. I think really when I got into the whole motivational world and he stops, he goes, that's why you were telling me to get out of the blue paint. Absolutely. It's don't go. Yeah. So 25 years later, right. and I, 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 I tell you, you know what, that, it was a great thing because hockey for, well, for both my boys, I'm very proud of them, but for Shane, uh, hockey was great for him and because he wasn't that great of an athlete. But he worked so hard at it that he knew he, and he got better and better with the high school team and all that. So in his career now in life or in his business, uh, that's the way he is. Yeah. They, they, he is the guy, if there's a problem, can't be solved, they send it to him and he solves it. That's awesome. He's a fixer. Yeah. And that's the thing, that's the, the beauty of youth sports. Yeah. Is that well, friendships or relationships, the lessons learned. There's crazy parents. They want their kid to be in the pros, you know, from eight years old on, they send them a million camps and lessons, all that nonsense and extra training. But the, the beautiful part of it, and this is a lesson I learned when I was, God, I was probably six. I was, my dad was coaching us in baseball. The, the, the uh, pitcher, the coach pitcher hit me in the eye, drilled me. I'm crying. I have, I'm, I'm, I want, I hate baseball. And he's like, you got to get back up. You got to get back in the box. You got to get back in the box. So I, you know, I finally gin up the courage. Fine. I'll do it. Hits me in the other eye, two black eyes, but I didn't quit. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of times you could quit. You could say, you know, I'm done with this, but it teaches you how to get back and how to get up after you get knocked down. That's yeah. the first lesson in hockey with kids. It's like, you're going to fall. You have to get up. Some kids learn it. Some kids don't, you know? Yeah, totally. Right. Because you, you know, the stuff I'm going to tell you, something you don't know here, but your life is not perfect. Nope. Uh, you are not perfect. So things are going to happen to you. Right. And sooner you come to that understanding, they ask you practice getting yourself out of the comfort zone. Like, you know, sure. I do things like taking a cold shower, you know, you're nice and warm in the shower, you turn it cold. There's a lot of li different things. Yeah, like you've been the air conditioning off at the True Grit Studios in August. Uh, but it really then, yeah. So now when those bad things happen, if you've not been out of your comfort zone before, you're like, you're kind of shocked at first. Like now you're sitting there thinking, okay, what am I going to do? As opposed to, as you, if you're comfortable being outside of your comfort zone, now you say, well, got to get up and get going. 100%. Yeah. And that's the hard part about parenting too, is you have to let kids, oh. you have to let your kids fail. Yeah, who was it? We had that great interview with uh, Jim, uh, Jim right? Yeah, the snowplow parents. And that was great the way he put it. And you're right. Obviously, you love your kids. I love my kids. You always want the best for them. But if you're trying to fix things so it's life is perfect for them, they're just never going to be able to fix They'll it. never, right. They'll be coming to you when they're 50 saying, I yeah. can't fix this. But that's why you got to let them make their mistakes right. and get out of those jams. Yeah. And that, you know what? When I was coaching too at first, uh, I, it's like these people all listen to me. I'm Tom Laidlaw. I played in the NHL. 
listen to me all they they, <laughs> so, they love their kids and they they know what's right and that's it especially when it comes to their own kids yeah and so you know what and i, I came to realize listen they're not bad people they love their kids that's what it is. they just have never been been through it before i've had many parents that come back to me because i coached for so long 10 years later or 15 years later and say okay now i get now i see yep. what you're saying yeah and i think i think what happens is especially when you have young kids you, your reality is a little bit distorted in that you think you know there's this great um website a while back it was called my kid is gifted and there's all these people saying you know there was kids doing dumb stuff but the parents like look how gifted my kid is because they all feel that way but i think once you look through a lens of reality or have had multiple kids you're like okay listen they, these kids are normal they're supposed to make up they're not you know they're there's 600 guys that play in the NHL approximately, right? You're one of them. And that's an accomplishment as much as we break the balls that yeah. you made it. And But that's a goal that's attainable by a minuscule right. percentage of people. Right. So if they can get these lessons in sports, these life lessons, and learn to be on a team and to have friends and to bond and have camaraderie and to fall and fail and, and you know, have success, then it's worth it. Right. I'll tell you, the only thing I'd add to that is that I think, and I'd say this to kids too, and to parents, I think it is important to have the goal of playing in the National Hockey League. Fully understanding that the odds are against sure. you. But it's that process that you put yourself through to try to get to the National Hockey League that really matters. So now you've said to yourself, now we've learned how to get get up early, do the extra things. If you want to play in the NHL, and I did this, you know, it was a party on Friday night. No, I, I can't go to the party because I've got to go practice. Right. Right. So those kinds of sacrifices. And then, okay, so you don't make it to the NHL, but now you've got all that stuff ingrained inside you. Sure. Now you want to be successful in something else or be a good father or be be a good husband. Now you've got all those qualities. Yeah. And I think you, you learned something simple as you learn relationships on a team. Like you have to, yeah. you learn that, you, you know, there's different positions and there's different roles. And you have to take that with you in life. People, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it again. You know, the old Herb Brooks story, Laidlaw, give put somebody else in. But that really, I learned that in life now that, and again, we say this to kids, you don't have to be the best player on the team to be successful. Do your role that the coach wants you to do, and you will continue to rise throughout your career sure. because that next coach at that next level is going to see, say, well, Laidlaw just does his job. I talked to his coach. Laidlaw just shows up. Well, that's, that's your Brampton upbringing. Tell you just be dependable, be yeah. on time, be reliable, and that's worked for you. That's served you very well. It is funny now, too, because... Uh, or even as we're building this podcast, I don't, uh, I don't look at the charts. I don't really watch the show that much because I just have always been that way that all I can worry about is tomorrow get yep. doing my job. Right? Keep grinding. Yeah. Keep burning. You keep listening to this podcast. Next guest is Ed Ospidar. You guys will love this one. Eddie Ospidar, good stories here. This is an earth rare. What, what, what do we call this? Like a record? Earth shattering? Earth shattering. Nice. So this could break a lot of records. This is a, this is the box car. And if you like what you're hearing so far on this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and uh, leave us a review on Apple. Earth shattering. The box car. Hey, I'm excited, Tom. This is a, a guy we met down at Philly at, at the Brian Prop event. He's got one of the great nicknames of all time. Your old friend. Still friends. Yeah. Well, are you guys still friends? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, well, after this, we'll see. Yeah. We got Eddie Boxcar Hospital on the show. Okay, my first hit in pro hockey, the first time I got hit, Eddie, Eddie Hospital was my partner, and he hit me. Uh, he was trying to kill somebody down the ice and got us all, like, backed us all down like bowling pins. Edward, how are you doing there, Mr. Hospital? I can't be better. Can't be yeah, better. I like that. And well, jobs well. Just got back from Florida. Played you know, I we were down there in Philly, and you were telling a story that I had not heard before. Like when we first started to date your wife. Can you tell us that story? Like we were on the fishing boat with the house. It was Mark Howe and Gordy Howe were on the boat. Oh, that's a good. That's a great story. Yeah, so, don't make it like half an hour long. Like just like two minutes. Uh, they, my uh, girlfriend comes into town. I say that's great. Then we play on Saturday. Then we don't play till Thursday. But on uh, Sunday morning, I am getting up and I am going fishing with Marty Howe. 
and Mark Howell. And, and, and just, just Marty. Oh, okay. And I said, uh, and I said, I am going. And she's like, wait, I'm in town. Aren't you going to take me around and see the sights? I said, well, if you want to see me on Sunday, I'm, you can come with us on the boat. So we go with Marty Howe, whose father is the great Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe. So Dana is very nice and talking to Gordy while we're going out in the boat. And she says, well, what do you do? So she has no clue. She doesn't know hockey at all, right? No, she doesn't have it. There's no cell phone where you can Google. So why was she going out? With, why was she going out with you then? Like, because it was I was a nice guy. Oh, okay. Uh, what, what we what I did wasn't important. We were oh, okay. in love or liking each other. So I mean, like she actually shows she actually loved. She actually loved. She's really attracted to me. Tom, yeah. Tom learning less life lessons at sixty. After thirty eight so. years, she's still attractive. Wow, that's incredible. So, uh, anyway, so she asked Gordy what he did, and he said, "Oh, I." played hockey and she starts to and she says you did and when did you retire and she he said well I, I retired three years ago and here he is in his 50s you know and she starts to laugh and she says no way no way and found it really funny he said yes that's who i am so then she said well if you're a hockey player you have a nickname and of course he said well they do have a nickname if I, uh, and goes well, well what is it and he said, Gordy said to my wife or girlfriend at the time, her fiance, you can go. Hold on. Was she Mister like, you're a Do you have a different girls? Like you said, yeah. one's a girlfriend, one's a fiance. No, that they, same. They, That's the same one? Progression thing. Oh, okay. All right. Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, girlfriend thing. And still wife. So, okay. um, I know. I know. Rub that in. I've had two of those. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore, but. <laughs> I can't afford another. I think I can't afford to get divorced. Uh, All right. Go ahead. But, anyways, so she came running to Marty and I and says, Oh, your father is so funny. He said, what? I asked him what he did, and he told me he played hockey. And then I said he retired five years ago. He's the funniest man. And then I asked him what his nickname was, and he tells me it's Mr. Hockey. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's very dark. What is your dad about? Oh, that's and he said, well, he did just play hockey, and he is Mr. Hockey. And so she just didn't believe it. She goes back out to Denison in Ohio. And said they asked, "What did you do?" And they said, "Oh, I went out with Marty Howe and his father on the boat." And all these people, guys and girls, are saying, "You went fishing with Mister Hockey?" <laughs> she said, <laughs> "Phoned up." Uh, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so upset. No, Gordy loved her. <laughs> her. I thought it was fabulous. Yeah, you know what? That probably be pretty refreshing for him, right? Because everybody else would just be, you know, just yeah. a hockey player. She could care less. That's good. But I just go back to like. So, did she knew? Did she know that you play hockey? At first, oh yeah, she knew, but didn't. So basically, you got, you got this wonderful woman to just love you and had nothing to do with hockey. Well, you know, she came to the game the one time in Hartford, and there's in the collective bargaining room we got the second level. So they put them in Hartford. The wives' tickets, like, were the second row oh, from the funny. ah in the building. So she went there, and the, and I didn't get much ice time. I didn't get much ice. Time. But the trainer, maybe on the ice. When I did get on the ice, we got scored upon. Oh, so that probably helped the reason for not to get the ice. So when she later on, she sent me a thank you note in the mail and tweezers and said, Listen, next time I come to a game, I would like to sit up front. It's a little closer. I had a hard time seeing you, but I knew where you were because you didn't move. <laughs> She's got to get a foot. Tweezers to get this. How do you wait a minute? She really said you. She sent you a thank you chirp. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's a that's, that's a that's a moist yeah, right, 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 right there. Get the ring, right. 
Okay, let's do okay, that game. talk hockey. And that, if I'm going to the game, you may as well play. Otherwise, you could just yeah. stay in bar. So let me get a handle on things. Are you pretty romantic? Like when you asked her to get married, are you down on one knee and all that? No, no, I didn't have time. Didn't have time. <laughs> Were you busy playing? Well, I got traded. I got traded and I made, I thought, ah, I'm not into this long distance romance thing. Oh. This will never go over. So she was living in Hartford at the time. That's where you met her? No, 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 no. She was oh. in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Gotcha. She was in Philly. So, um, and I said, well, I'll go back to Philadelphia, get my, um, you know, I'll go back to Philadelphia um, because I got traded to Minnesota. I was all day trained. Yes, I fired. I got traded in Minnesota. There was a jeweler in Minnesota that guys went to. So I just had them bring over a ring and a stone that I'd looked at because I wasn't playing. So I had time to take a look and say, all right, I'll go pop the question. And if she says yes, then I'll get married. And if she says no, well, then I got, I'm in Minnesota. I'll Thank put them so fancy free. Luckily, I got the yes. Wow. Good. Really? Did she think about it a little bit or did she automatically said yes? No, I think she told her mom that she wasn't into a long term and she was ready to break up with me. Oh. So if I would have let her go first, she would have broken up with me when oh. I gave her the ring. She's saying, Tom knows all about that. Right. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> we lose the rings too. <laughs> Buying rings and losing them. Oh. Uh, we lose a rat? Well, it gets taken in the divorce. Oh, whatever. Yeah. That's a gift. It's yeah. Whatever. So there's yeah. one now, just so everybody knows, Eddie Hosmar is one of the toughest players ever played in the National Hockey League. So when I tell the story about the Clark Gilly story, uh, I'm telling it because it's kind of funny at the ending. So I don't know if Clark, I think I heard the story from Clark Gillies. So I, I think it's safe to say in the correct uh, terminology of the day, Ed, Ed fed a lot of people lunch. Yes. Lot, yeah. But he also, one time he ate lunch. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. I ate. So, so Clark Gillies is one of the top, the toughest men that's ever, I've ever seen. <laughs> Scary man. So Eddie's taking him on all the time. We're playing in Madison Square Garden. And I think Clark said, he, I think you got him mad or something the game before in the island. Is I had him, I had him, Herbie made me stop. Brooks bench door open on a thing and I had him push through and his back of his head is up against the that's what it was yeah bench and I was kneeing and Herbie said what made you what made you think the knee uh Eddie uh, Clark Gillies what made you think to knee him yeah but you're gonna get like I I would be thinking myself okay I'm kneeing him right now he's going to get up and he's gonna want to kill me he couldn't get up okay all right he couldn't get up. He was defenseless. Like he felt the door open for the with the thing, and her, you know, smurfed, no fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. And said, "You did the right thing. You stopped. He'll remember. He'll remember. It'll make you a better man." So I okay, guess so the next night, we're later, four yeah. nights later, Madison Square Gardens, New Year's Eve. Oh, oh no! Oh, it punches me, cuts me. Big time. Was that when he broke the jaw, though, too? Yeah. And then I thought, oh, duck. So he punches me in the helmet. And lo and behold, he came in with the uppercut up over four and where I had the mouth guard and where in the back of my. And then I'm on on the bus, the ambulance up to uptown. Oh, that was one of the most gruesome things I've ever I was, I think I was on ice. Oh, big eye. But then later on, I played with him. Yes. That's what I was going to go with. So now you're in Buffalo together, right? We're in Buffalo together, and first time the thing I have to go into the locker room and grab Clark Gillies, I grab Mark Napier, I grab Mike Ramsey, um, and I bring Skin and I talk, and I said, "Hey, I'm sorry for knocking Mike your tooth out, um, Mark Napier. I'm sorry for knocking your upper teeth out loud, five of them or whatever." And then I looked at Clark and said, and you owe me apologies for knocking mine down. Clark tells the story later on, though, that uh, he invited you over for dinner. 
Yes, Halloween. No, right. Halloween. And Some- his daughter came behind the kitchen counter at the table and wanted to know, you know, nice to meet you. You're a hockey player too. Do you have your own te- do you have your own teeth? And she asked, there was a couple of us here. And so then she asked me in particular, do you have your teeth? And I said, Well, matter of fact, I don't. <laughs> well, how did you lose them? And I said, and maybe she knew, but I don't think so. She was too young. But I said, Well, some with a stick. You know, then with a puck. But then when she she left, I said, you're lucky I should have said father's oh. broken <laughs> down my mouth. Clarky's such a good guy, too. Like, when we played against him, you're a jerk. I don't know what I'm allowed but, to say. No, you say whatever you wanted. Is this a tradition? Like, if you get traded to a team, you have to like, kind of make amends with the guys you fought with? Yeah. I, I thought, like, you end up being... Uh, Tiger, like Tonelli and I hating each other. Uh, we played John Tonelli. Played he was on the podcast. Maybe he still does hate you. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But we ended up being great friends to go trade out to L.A. I think I don't know, Eddie, how you were with some of the guys. Kind of a little bit. Well, at first it was tough. I mean, Mark Napier's wife absolutely oh. was not happy because he, hey, his their whole summer was wrecked. You know, he was getting dental work done. What, you just cross-check really him? Cross-check him really Is that His teeth marks were in my stick. Oh, Ooh. Okay, I wanna, I've always wanted to ask you a question, okay? Very serious question. Did you calculate some of those things you did out on the ice there right, to build your reputation? Did you think to myself, I need to do something nutty out here tonight so people will remember me and always stay away from me and be scared of me all the time? Like break a stick over your head. You know what? I, I always thought that I was an okay fighter, a way better hitter, but I did some things that were just off the charts, like with... Like, okay, I'll give you I a example. best friends with Don and Donnie Maloney and right. or Dave and Gresh and, and went after them and made more hate. and Right, but I mean, that also yeah. built your reputation, though, right? That was good for yeah. me. And, and that gave me more money. That, so, that, so did you actually think of that, though? Did you think to yourself, I need to act a little bit nutty out here to increase my value? Yeah, I thought so. You're you're bringing me in, you're doing this and that. You know what? I think I sold tickets, too. Oh, yeah. In, in well, September, October, when nobody wants to go to a game, Let's go to the game and watch yeah, uh, Hospital sure. and so and so, like a WWF wrestling. So we were playing. We were playing in Hartford with Eddie was with Hartford, and one of the nicest kids in the uh, in the world, a great player, Jan Eriksson. He's coming no, coming, no, Eric. coming out of our zone, and uh, he's carrying the puck. Nothing's really going on in the game, and all of a sudden, and he comes barreling in, drives an elbow right into his head. So I think Nikki was on your team at the time, right? Yeah. But we had no, but Barry Beck was on yeah, your team. Right. Barry Beck, Chris Gonsopoulos. We had, we did, we, did, we thought that they were trying. So we had Eddie pinned on the, on the ice. I actually helped you in that because I got on top of you and said, Eddie, just stay right here. Cause he was going to, they wanted to kill him. Like Barry Beck wanted to kill him. He finally got up, made his way to the, uh, uh down the, to get off the ice. And Barry Beck's like sprinting down the ice to try to get to Eddie. If you watch the video. And I thought to myself, there was no need to do that to Ann Erickson as far as the game goes, but that helped enhance Eddie Hospital's career doing that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I don't mean that in a bad way. Out, yeah, got me press, maybe got me into you know, I yeah. don't know. It just was like you, you roll, man, build like your brand. Your bigger thing was Dana, who now my wife was like, um, I'm confused. Yeah, because she's a sweetheart off the edge. Uh, yeah, pregame brawl. And everybody's going to Dana's mom and dad who are like doing that. Nice people, innocent people, don't know the sports, whatever. <laughs> Is that guy the one that started the fight before the game? Like, right. uh, the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. You tell, you tell yeah. it's like pro wrestling? Like, it's, it's just my character, Bodice Car. That's what, it, yeah. Oh, God. 
But I, so I think I did a good job at. Oh yeah, mad and pissing them off. Oh yeah, absolutely. An element to the team. I also did good stuff at times. Like we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Remember when Baxter scored a goal? Or I think his name was uh, Baxter. Paul Baxter. Baxter yeah. He was tough, too. Scored. And, and then, but then he scored. He picked up the puck and threw it out into our oh, bench. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's ball. Like, that was bold. That was yeah. big. And they at least stood up. Craig Patrick was happy about that. Yeah. You know, like somebody did rather than sit back and say, well, well, you would do. You would drag the rest of us into the fight too. Like if we were not in the game, you would get us into the game, right? You do something that we're forced. There's just no choice. We had to participate. Right? We're the brawl in L.A. Yeah, Eddie, can I just set this up for a second? Hold on. Let's, what is that? Because there's a great picture. Anyone oh. who's listening can go look at this. Uh, uh, go look at up on, on uh, Google, and you got to see Ed is he? Well, he's pumping Marcel Dion with some rights, but. You got to look for Laidlaw's face. I look, crowd. I look it, like I'm crying. It, it's just a great, great picture. Go think, Google it. I think I'm mad, but it looks like I'm crying. But we're talking about the 1981 playoff. Yeah. They, they, they did it back then where like one played 16. So the Rangers were not playing the Kings in the first round. And a huge brawl gets started by our current guest. Yeah. No, sorry, go ahead, Ed. Well, first of all, I set in a Ranger record, as I showed you for that game. Yeah. Uh, or one time I showed you the, the, that for scoring a goal, 20... That's right. Yes. Yes. Eight seconds into the game, April 9th, 1981. Uh, so, uh, and then I don't get a shift again. And something happens at the end of the period. Somehow I'm out there and somebody's somehow. pushing and shoving. So I like that. The end is like, somehow. I'm not going to, uh, Freddie's talk, you're not going to play the first five minutes yeah, of any, yeah. the last five minutes of any period. What can you do to help this team? Yeah. And, you know, some guys might say, well, I'm not going to go do it. I was like, well, it sure beats that iron long that bus in New Haven, yeah. the private airplanes that we get, the charters. Right. So I was like looking for someone to go after. And I was like, well, uh, <laughs> why should I pick? Somebody bigger than me or somebody they I'll pick a big name. I went after Marcel Dion, all of fame, captain of the team. Five oh seven, two hundred pounds. Yeah. But he was a willing combatant though, too. He he could fight. He wasn't like some yeah, he was good. He yeah, but up. he didn't want to get out, oh, yeah. out of the game. So told he was like very nice to me. He didn't beat me up. So uh, <laughs> But but did, wasn't there was there was the code back then that you didn't fight the other guy's stars or was it was a different Oh I definitely think you never went after if but if you did there's there should be a code now too you don't right. take a shot at so and so out a teammate or a, well, a you did. lesser caliber stepping up and in. 
Um, yeah. but I did. And, yeah. and I and God said we set a record that day for fines and um, for for fines and so. And so he knows that earlier in the game, uh, Barry Beck and Rashardtrot squared off too. And Bubba That's comes across like guys. the linesman gets in between the two of them, and Barry left. comes across with the left and just smokes him. <laughs> and Shardy was a good guy. He played here later on. A great guy too. He had cut him wide open, knocked him on his rear end. So that really kind of set the tone. And now at the end of the period, now we're all moving around. And, and we were and Alley Kings. Which is like we were, they were not into that. They were not to pair, prepared for. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a tough team, and then we had some really great talent, yeah. goal talent guys right. that play, um, and carry that. So that that was a fantastic. We knocked them off yeah. in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. When you grab the out and you're pumping him, is he like saying, "Well, what the hell? Like, does he know what's going on there? Or he's he's okay. He's trying." I'm just that. hoping that somebody doesn't come in, and uh, and I'm like, "You are going to get." In- you are in so much trouble right now. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, yeah. That was it. We had, so we had, we we're going to see. And then uh, this is Brian O'Neill. I'm the head of the NHL disciplinary board. I said, I know I met you. It's like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Frequent flyer. Wow, uh, that's funny. So remember, we had, so we had yourself. There was Chris Katsopoulos, Barry Beck. Where was uh, Nick Fatiu during that? He was hurt, I believe. He was in the stands, but he got involved. Oh, yeah. We didn't hear the story. Oh, this! Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Fight, well, he yeah. comes down from the stand. Yeah. So all of, he gets to the glass and the glass. Well, what happened was a player on their team that was not dressed reached over and grabbed you from behind and pulled you back like towards the bench to try to control you. So all this, all of a sudden, like this, white, I think Nikki had like a white suit on or something like that. There was this white flash out of the stands and he's ragdolling this guy, throwing around. It's just like, when you watch the video, it's just hilarious to watch it now. But it's. It was a, another classic brawl that lasts like it seems like twenty five minutes. Yeah, zigzagging from one end to the other, and then we're trying to go off. And yeah. no, that's the Zamboni entrance. We're at the totally the wrong end of the building. We have no idea how we're to get off, and just go in the showers because then I'm done. I know, Al, I'm exhausted. He's oh, I look. Bill Chadwick was doing the color commentary. Great guy, whistle. Yeah, he goes. This is gonna set the game back thirty years. <laughs> Ranger fans love it. When you go to an event now, that's they, they know you played on that team. They want to talk about it all the time. Wow, was that your uh, your New York accent impression? Eh? They got set the game back thirty years. That's pretty good. That's wow. exactly that, that game. That's exactly it's it's on TV. Yeah. Shoot the puck, Barry. Shoot the, the puck, Barry. And the la- the the kiss of death. You'd get called up from New Haven. Be happy to be playing. So you get a, a courtesy interview with the big whistle, yeah. and he his send off to your the last line and you're going to be a ranger for a long, long time. It was like, don't <laughs> say it. Don't say it. Because as soon as you say that, I'm going to. <laughs> so Eddie had touched on, Eddie touched on something there before. So it was myself, Chris Kasopoulos and Eddie were all rookies together. And uh, pretty sure the late pretty sure was coaching at the time. Trapdoor. In the uh, trap, uh, trap door too. You're right. Not trap door. Not door. Yep. So he calls the four of us in. We're all like 6'2", 215 pounds. He says, okay, you're not, like Eddie said, you're not going to play the first five minutes of the game. You're not going to play the last five minutes of the game. Now, Freddie never talked either. Like this, I think that was maybe the only conversation I have up. He said, now you're all six foot two, 215 pounds. I'm not telling you to fight. Like he said, but what do you think you can do to help this team? What can you do to help this team? Yeah. Well, for fans who are listeners who don't, who don't know, he was the coach of the Flyers yeah. with the Broad Street Bullies team that won the two yeah. cups. So he, he had that rep for oh, you know, right. tough players. He got fired later on the year, too. We were not bad that he got fired. I almost I think he had hired. Phil, Phil got his job. Phil Esposito. He was sitting beside Sonny Werblin all the time. You know, I never thought about because Phil retired halfway through the year. 
And then shortly after that, Freddie got fired. Yeah. Right? But, but Phil, Phil was like sitting beside Sonny. And then when he went up into the box to do the TV. Oh, yeah. He had such a great following, in my opinion. Yeah. He had such a great following and such a great relationship with Sonny that he had Sonny's ear. Oh. Sonny was the owner of the Rangers at the time. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Sonny Berblin. Go, yeah. go yeah. Yeah. That's right. But I do think Fred was in his fog era where, um, well, he put, he put, say, uh, how do you want to play the power play? How do you want to pat that? How do you want to penalty kill? What do well, you he put, he put me up front of the net there on the power play. So that's pretty. Then he got fired the next game. Yeah. I just... Why was his nickname the fog? I know. And I never was. You know what? I, th- I, believe that quite honestly he would like he didn't like crowds of people he just went away aloof he liked to have a couple beers or pops every once in a while well, I what he well. yeah i think he just uh was there and yeah he tried he was out he was in his own world he didn't want to be around people right you yeah. you didn't go to talk to fred unless fred wanted to talk yeah, to you totally true yeah like i said he just and he really didn't talking pre-game speeches or with the mike nicola yeah Mike Nicklet did all the talking for him. Probably saved his butt. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ed, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but you were also involved in another uh, legendary brawl too, right? A few years later? I'm involved with a brawl that never happens. The 1987 Flyers Canadians brawl. Pre-game brawl. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, what? Was there no penalties, Brad? They they didn't know what to do. We had 24 guys dressed. Well, let's let's set the scene. Let's let's go from the beginning. No. So... Uh, I have to think of what I can do to help the team. God, select. So I am a healthy scratch in game one, and I know that this guy, Claude Lemieux, shoot the puck into the open net. And in your open net. This is a warm-up. You know, in the opposing team's net after right. everybody's off the ice. Right. So just, just again, for our listeners, there's a, like an unwritten rule where you don't cross the red line in one. There's no rule. There's no rule. There's never that ever It's unwritten. Yeah, I just thought that I had nothing to do. I was dressed. I was in case somebody pulled a groin or got hit with a puck that came off a post and couldn't play or whatever, That that's why you'd be in. And we just used to dress one or two guys, right? Extra time for yep. warm-up, and yep. then the coach might see the sheet and you might play, but generally knew you weren't going to play. Right. So I knew that because Todd Lemieux is a year younger and that used to like to shoot the puck in the net. Afterwards, and I thought that's kind of like childish. It's a, it's a dig move. Yeah, but Eddie, Eddie's looking for a reason too. So let's. Do it. I'm thinking it's childish, and and you know what? So what would I do? And Phil Esposito, right, was so superstitious about sweaters being hung up. He had all the Italian horns in the back with the mojo going on, right? And you want people to eat in the certain times and do things in a certain way. So if that's Lemieux thinks that. He, him shooting the puck in the net is his way of in the flyers net leaving the ice. I'm going to practice though. So now I see him do that, and I was like, I think that's kind of bad. So I said, I have nothing to do. Why don't I just stay on the ice? The warm up comes. The Zamboni's coming on the ice, and they're going around with these little sweepers that blow the dust off the dasher boards and all that. And I set up four pucks, and I have a fifth, and I stick handling in the Montreal form, like. The, a cathedral for hockey. You're doing hockey skills at 7.15 when the game starts at 7.30. This is stupid, Ed. You look pretty dumb out here. But Lemieux, he kept wanting to shoot the puck, wanted to shoot the puck, and he, and he couldn't. Finally, he shoots one, and I knock it down, and I grab the one I have and fire it right back at his. I didn't see that part. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was curved away. 
So we win. We won the game. So next game, I do not dress for warm-up, and they don't do anything, and he shoots the puck into the net, and the series is tied. Next game, I take the net off the, the hinges and put it up against the boards, and when the guy comes around sweeping the dashers, pull it off, and he does, we win. We're up two to one. Oh, I next didn't know this other game. So I didn't know that. Next game, the guys, I do not dress. They push it in, but they don't leave the ice, and Lemieux is right there, and I'm saying, hey, wait, and Lemieux skates down, gets the pass from McPhee, as he always did, because McPhee pulled that upside, and he tucks it in. Seriously. I chew a piece all over again, so back up. I stop him. The next game, there's no way. I'm not. I'm like, he's waiting to do it, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm not leaving the ice. These guys talking, you, you, you got to get off the ice, man. We're here to do it. I said, not until... No way. No way. I'm right. hurt. Well, now we get to game six. We dress like five extra guys for warm-up. Keenan's one of Keenan's stories. That's a whole 30-minute story there. And Chico and I stay out. In the yeah, Chico rest. Chico mesh. Chico Montreal. They had, when, the, when the Canadians left the ice, stopped the fans from going, they pulled the curtain. Well, they pulled the curtain a little earlier than I th- remember them pulling. You could see. And old Lemieux was hiding behind the curtain. And oh, I didn't know that. When I got off the ice, they pulled the curtain back, and Lemieux goes out to shoot the puck in. But when he was telling him, and Don Cherry knew nothing. Don Cherry says he knew that this was going to happen and all that stuff. No, I didn't know. I was the guy that caused it. Oh, yes, you And I decided to do it after somebody said something to me and I was pissed off about always being sent out to fight and all that. So I said, if I'm getting in trouble, I'm going to take this guy down with me. It was Mike Keenan who always wanted to make us fight and do that. But he said, if he steps over the red line. Oh, so he actually, Keenan told you that. Well, he sent the message through Birch. Oh, Jack Birch. What a Ted Sears assistant. But anyways, yeah. It's funny is where the books were written. I was told it was it was planned. We had five extra guys dressed. No, I mean, they, Tommy, this is the first time I ever said it. I can't believe I've told somebody like out loud. So now I'm trying to tell him before the game, like, Claude, don't do, don't do. Oh, really? So you tried to warn him? Do, do, don't do it. And he said, Hedy, I'm not afraid of you, your old dog and all that. And I said, no, no, but I got a whole bunch of other dogs behind me. <laughs> they brown wolves that are going to try to eat you up because right. Keenan's made us so Go out and fight. Go out and fight. And if you didn't, well, hold on, Eddie. What's that? What's that? So you told him during the game that listen, Keenan's got this all set up. No, warm up, warm up. Warm up. No, I was trying to tell him, but right. we couldn't stop because tensions were so high. And he was like, "No, yeah, how do you think?" I was, I was trying to be honest with him. Yeah, I was being honest with him. Like, right. don't do it. Right, don't do it. And he was saying, "I'm not afraid of you." And I was like, "You don't understand, man. Don't try. Today's a bad day." You know, not <laughs> because Mike's got Don Knockbauer, Dave Brown. Me, I'm not on the game sheet. Oh. Don Knockbauer is not on the game sheet. You know, there's guys that aren't on the game sheet. Now, Montreal only had guys that were on the game sheet. They try to come on the ice. They try to score the goal. We come out after them. I start fighting, and then everybody comes out of the locker room. Goes, Eddie, Eddie, do you go after Lemieux first? Yeah, I skated. I went out. I went after him, and then you see if you watch the pregame brawl fight. I uh, because I say, "Ooh, I could get charged with something if I don't actually break this guy's nose or cause him thing, and he can lose his income." I thought, like, 
and this is meditated versus unthought of on the ice. So you're really thinking that at the time. Wow. I I thought about guys saying, I'm going to get you. Well, wait, if you say I'm going to get you, that's meditate. Yeah. You thought about going after somebody. And the, the reason I knew about that too is where this leads into another story when I'm not, but anyways, let me stay on this one. All the guys come out, all the brawls happen. Now the, the referees aren't even on the ice. When they finally go back and they can look at a film or see what's being done. Well, let's kick Knockbauer out of the game. Let's hit Hospital, let's hit Stanley or, or whatever. They look at the game sheet. I don't even on the game sheet. I don't even on the game sheet. But you look at the you looked at Larry Robinson, Chris Nyland, uh Jellios, McPhee, uh Lemieux, right? Uh McPhee. They're all on the game sheet. They would have had to go to up in the press box and find the, the backups who were probably already having a Shen show to hot dog and oh the Shen show. Oh yeah. To play. So they didn't give any penalties out. And then the next morning, I have my hearing right away, right away. And I get, it's a record, I think, for baseball, basketball, football. There's, I'm the only person ever to be suspended for, you know, you wait your whole life to go to the Stanley Cup. To right. The Stanley Cup as a kid, right? You dream about right. it. We're going to the Stanley Cup and I get seven game suspension. Oh, did you? Can't play it. anything. And then that's interesting too, because like Keenan doesn't want me on the plane or sneak on the plane. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go, go back up, yeah. back up, back up. <laughs> he, he, Keenan did not watch on the plane. Well, it would be a distraction, right? Wouldn't you? Every reporter want to talk to you about like what happened, how'd it go? Oh yeah, we had five extra guys dressed. Like I'll get you a lot of views on this one. Oh yeah, Eddie. So he tells you you can't get on the plane because you're suspended. <laughs> how do you get on? Sneak back on. Keenan used to ride in the back of the bus, and so I just popped my way in. And when he went to the back, I just jumped in the front. Oh, that's hilarious. That's a great story. See, there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize, like the games before there was... I've been alive for 30-some years. Wow. 86 is that. that. Be, well, it's just bad. Yeah. Flyers wrote a book. Yeah. 50 years or whatever. You open up that book, there's not one word about a pregame brawl. Which or was a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Well, there's plenty of YouTube for that, though. Now that I look back, it was, I think I got tired of doing, at that point then, at that point, I think I knew that what we were doing was wrong for the, it wasn't, it was the the world, you know, world wrestling uh, or whatever. But in real, guys would get hurt. Or I'm not saying that wrestlers don't get hurt, but it was, it was real and it was bad for the sport. And so something not very. So Eddie. Actually, I did it. But looking back now, we're all just saying, eh, probably not. Probably not the way the sport should well, be. But Eddie, so a lot of fighters you talk to, especially from the past in that era, uh, they say they really didn't like fighting, but they knew they had to fight. Did you like the fighting? No, I was afraid all the time. Because someone get, you can get hurt and messed up. And now, you know, later on in life, um, I think taking some of the bangs or the hits, uh, you want to go on YouTube and say, look at Hospitar Stasny decapitated or whatever, Hospitar decapitated, I mean, sore in the neck and, and beat up, hand is sore, you know, and I was in the show and I was young, I didn't get married till the, like the end of the, my career, I probably, that's why I had a 
funny thing, like on the ice, I broke it. If, if I did what I did on the ice, off the ice, oh, yeah. I'd have a bullet in me or I'd be in jail or, you know, you, you just can't do that stuff. Right. You shouldn't do that stuff. So before, before we let you go any, I get one more funny. I'm not going to be reborn or anything. It's still in my past. I've got yeah. one more funny story I have to tell before we let you go. So we're playing, uh, I'm with the Rangers. Eddie's playing with the Flyers. We're pregame warm-up. And I think myself and maybe Mike Allison are shooting pucks at Eddie's feet down at the other end to try to distract him and have fun with him. Now, this is the Mike Keenan era. He sees this whole thing. And when he, so I, I'll let you take it from here. He uh, you know what? It's like all of a sudden, bang, you get him with the stick. Or if you're, you're skating and sometimes you have a puck and one of the guys will try to shoot and hit your puck away. Like in your old stuff. Which oh, he's calling. If to, and there's you know. a nice way of saying hi, shooting the puck in your skates, and like get out of here, like you. you, you. But Keenan's in the press box watching all this stuff, and if he sees you against your old team, that your buddy out there, better see you get him. You know what's he? Oh, he's your friend. You let him walk around you. You know you're not friends and all that stuff. I understand, but you know I understand. I still have to play a game, and and I, that's why I probably said the all right. Well, during the game. The game's game, and I have to play to to this particular stu- le- level of stupidity or toughness. But uh, Mike would get mad at you. Didn't he take Didn't he take the other lineup for that game? Oh, he would do stuff like that. Yeah. So I remember that game. He took Eddie. So we now go back on the ice to play, and Eddie's not in the lineup any longer. We're going. We're doing that every game because we don't want to play against Eddie. Oh, huh? uh, yeah. Get away from me. I can't be your friend or whatever. Yeah. You know. I know yeah. So, but that's that's the way the game was back then. Well, listen, Eddie. It's been fantastic catching up with you again, and I really mean this when I say it. And we have a lot of guys on. I, I tend to say a lot because I, I really do admire uh, a guy like yourself. And I say this with two, as a total compliment. You didn't make it on your skill. You made it on your heart. You did what you had to do to play in the NHL. And uh, you did it well. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was great to see you again, Eddie. Thanks for coming on All the right. show. Thanks, Ed. I have a great one. Tom and Dom's. That was a great convo with, uh, with your buddy, Eddie. Our hospital. Told some great old stories, some scoops out of that. Eddie, I didn't know about before. He did. Yeah. There was a, a big scoop on, on the, the Flyers Canadians brawl. The brawl yeah. See, but I mean, I think you could probably figure that out based on who the coach was. Yeah, with Keenan there too. It's, it's funny. What a jerk. I mean, everybody talks about him just eats it. We've had a lot of guests. I think Dukes was the only one who said he was yeah. a dick. Everyone else is like, the guy's just a dick. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I've told a story too. We tried out for the Canadian Olympic team together. And uh, he was like when he was looking for a job. Yes, I did travel for the Canadian. No, no, I didn't realize it. I don't think you did tell the oh. story. He so he was as a player. He tried out. Yeah, he tried out. Yeah, he was a wuss. I was going to use another word, but I won't. So he was. He was not very. That's the thing about him. He was such a wuss as a player. Then to act as a coach like that. And then when he was done coaching and he was looking for a job, uh, he was trying to get the job in Atlanta. When Don Waddell, my former uh, roommate, was there, and he was calling me. Keenan was calling me, like acting like he was my buddy. And, oh really? Yeah, I tried to get the. So job. he's just a two face. Oh totally. Yeah, we he'd walk by me. The inspector or whoever was wouldn't pay attention to me. We knew each other. From, right. Oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Then he did, he didn't make that team, did he? No, I didn't either. But you didn't for he didn't make it because I guess because his ability. But I know why. You, father was it Father Bauer? Father it? Bauer came job. handed me my ticket, sent it home. How was Keenan as a player? Any good? No, he was just a soft guy. Yeah. So that's when he he see him talking, like putting grabbing guys like Knock Bauer when Eddie tells the story grabbing Knock Bauer in the locker room. Really surprised because he wasn't like that as a player at all. So when you guys, when he got that Iron Mike, you guys like, is this for real? Like, how do you react to that? I, well, I think 
he he got it and earned it based on the way he was acting towards his players, and that was his reputation. So gotcha. we just accepted it. But most most guys were like, what a jerk. Yeah, like you know, he's one of those guys that really act tough. Like he stand up on the boards there and he's trying to stare you down. And they, yeah, right. Like what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. But 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 Eddie was great. Yeah. The box car was he was he was kind of a nut on the ice. Yeah, he, he seemed to know that was his role. Right. And I always, I always want to ask him, did you do it intentionally? Did you know the things you were doing? Because some of the stuff he did, like you just losing your mind out there or what? They sound like you did. And he, you know, he speaks very highly of you. I know you, you, you really, you're fond of Eddie. Great show, man. Yes, it was another good one. Uh, please like and subscribe. And you leave us a review if you feel so inclined to do it. It helps us a lot. Now, do it now. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Powerful as Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to 1 gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.